Welcome to another edition of the Hidden Layers Podcast, where we talk about all the exciting ways marketing, data, and deep learning are colliding. Today, we're excited to be talking with Josie LaRock, the Senior Vice President of Operations at the winter sports giant Burton Snowboards. Josie oversees Burton's direct-to-consumer business, web development, IT, and global operations on top of all that. Starting at Burton in Vermont in 1997, she has also led the European operations and launched the company's Asia operations from China. A mother, a snowboarder, and an outdoor enthusiast, Josie is now back in Burlington, Vermont. Welcome to Hidden Layers, Josie. Hi, Jeremy. Well, so, you know, 1997, that's a while ago. Tell us about that fateful day. Uh, were you a snowboarder? Were you like a, hey, I'm, I'm, uh, I love Burton snowboards, I'm snowboarding, and then I met the guy and uh, I got a job at Burton snowboards? How does that, how does that happen? It's a great, great question. And I just have to say that my bio is also like the day I started, a little bit outdated, but that's okay. We'll, we'll catch you up here. All right. Um, so I was a lifelong skier and grew up in Vermont, more or less. And I always wanted to work at Burton. I was thinking, I'm going to get my dog to go to work. I'm going to work with some really cool people and I'm going to get a free pass. All of those things became true when I got my first job here. Um, the problem was I eventually just gave up skiing and started snowboarding all day and never looked back. Got it. Got it. All right. So you've been all over the globe building out Burton's operations and now you head up uh, many different departments. Well, first let's take a step back, catch us up on uh, your bio. What's going on? Sure, sure. So over the last couple of years, as uh, Burton has really made this huge shift from a wholesale oriented business to a direct to consumer, what we what we like to call our aspirational goal to become a consumer centric digital first retailer. Um, I've had the the luck of working with our IT team and our direct to consumer team very closely. And the whole idea there was to launch ourselves into that direct to consumer world. We knew we were going to have to do some pretty major digital transformation. So my responsibility for let's say the last five years has been IT and direct to consumer. In the last year during the pandemic, we really said, let's accelerate this digital business. It's already doing very well. Um, and something we knew had to happen, which is very relevant to this podcast, is we needed to marry our direct-to-consumer team with our marketing team. So um, in the last six months or so, the direct-to-consumer team that was reporting under me has actually moved under Kelly Murnahan, who is our SVP of marketing. So that's been an exciting move um, for me to help uh, transition that team. And we're seeing really amazing results as our marketing, our brand and our commerce are really coming together. So tell us a little bit about this, this, the, the, the operations roles that you've had all over the globe. What does that mean in yeah. retail? Right. So, you know, as, as our business evolved, we were shipping mainly to wholesale, our supply chain late in the nineties, early in the 2000s shifted from North America and Europe to Asia. So I've been lucky enough to see this shift of our supply chain. I've been um, involved in setting up distribution centers all over the world and seen this um, shift from really large deliveries to huge retailers 
to now we're, you know, processing one unit orders and we get a lot of returns. So it's a really different mindset for our operations. Um, and the team that now is, is overseeing that is as involved with that last mile delivery to the consumer as they are, you know, dealing with the, the wholesale partners that are still in every market around the world. So from a retail perspective, you have, of course, this wholesale business, but over time, you've built out your own retail, your owned and operated retail, correct? Yes, that's right. We have 70 stores around the world right now. And so can you tell us a little bit about uh, what's been going on, this digital transformation? Has that connected retail to your D2C uh, and, and um, wholesale is just continues to be the separate operational effort or how does that all work? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so our direct-to-consumer business, we consider the, the retail stores and the e-commerce. So Burton.com, that's our direct-to-consumer you know, ecosphere, if you will. And there were certainly years where it was quite separate from our wholesale business. We had you know people running one business unit and other people running direct-to-consumer that wasn't always the best way to do things. It created some channel conflict that we knew we had to evolve away from. So now we have regional business units, the Americas, for example, Europe, Japan, um, Asia, and they run now the GMs of those regions really run a holistic business that's channel agnostic. So that, you know, that means we had to have systems to support both sides of the business. We have to have, sophisticated inventory management solutions, sophisticated order management solutions. And we obviously need to really look at um, the way we look at our business differently. One, you know, one channel being wholesale, one channel being direct to consumer. So talk a little bit more about that in, in, uh, uh, in what, what the trades have been calling your digital, like you said, the digital yeah. uh, transformation. What is that? What does that all mean? So, you know, back in, let's say it's 221, back in 2016 or so, we started looking at our systems, very monolithic, very wholesale oriented. Um, We knew that we were going to have to do some new systems to become a digital marketer. So we brought on a head of IT, we brought on a new leader for our direct consumer business. Um, We, we, Definitely revamped our analytics team, our data engineering team, our web development team. And we came up with a digital transformation strategy that really said, we're going to look at data. We're going to look at modernizing it. We're going to look at how we we better govern our data. Then we're going to look at customer-facing solutions as well as foundational systems. Each one of those is a massive project in and of itself. And we launched upon this digital transformation journey tackling all of them at the same time. Um, And that was probably the summer of 2019 when we got approvals and we started working. 20, by the end of 2019, early 2020, we were all systems go. We were working on an ERP move to Infor Cloud Suite for Fashion. We were launching Salesforce Service Cloud, Salesforce Marketing Cloud. We were launching a new point of sale system order management solution called New Store not to mention all this back-end work we were doing on data. And um, I would say that we've been productive, but you know, we've, we've had some delays. And what we hope to launch in 2021, um, we're pushing out now some pieces to 2022. 
So very interesting. So um, with, with data, all right, what, what is important data to you in this case? Is it, is it how the um, just inventory management and all those types of things? How does that differ from, from how you feel about your customers' data, uh, their personal preferences and things like that? Sure. So with this project, we were talking about every kind of data we had. So whether it was master product data or master customer data or vendor data, like there's all kinds of different data. And we knew we had to uh, clean it up, find a home for every single one of those pieces or types of data that was closer to the end software or tool that was going to be managing that data. So whether it was a PLM or a supply chain solution, ERP, or in the case of customer data, really our, our marketing tools and our service tools and order management tools. So the first thing we needed to look at on customer data was privacy, um, you know, just making sure we were compliant and are compliant with GDPR, CCPA, et cetera. Um, and that has been a, a challenge. We've learned a lot. Uh, we've made a few mistakes here and there and had to walk things back. But overall, um, we're feeling really good about that. Then uh, we had built internally a CDP of sorts using some Google tools and using some outside contractors to help us build that. We did that with the intention of let's learn about our customer data. Um, we don't, we're not even really sure what we don't know yet. We hadn't put a lot of time and effort and investment into that. So, you know, two years later, here we are, maybe three years since we launched that first internally um, built CDP. And we're still actually looking for a CDP. We do not have the perfect tool yet in our sites. Um, and the perfect tool is going to do a lot of things for us. But a basic thing it's going to do is help really unify that customer ID and just, you know, make sure that when we're talking to Jeremy Fain or Josie LaRock, we know which one we're talking to and we can send them the right message. We can take care of them in the right way. So we're still on that journey, but we've really narrowed in on what we need to know. Right. So, so as that, that evolves and that uh, data strategy uh, matures, how is that looking today from a, a marketing now that you're this direct to consumer business is growing, 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 you know, what, how did that look in 2019 when things were really working well uh, with integrations with marketing and how your marketing was using that data? Right. You know, I would say that at that time, as we were starting to clean up our data and get our handle on it, um, we actually did not have the software tools to to use the data to personalize a message or to be doing, um, you know, customer uh, data evaluations, you know, and really understanding what is our lifetime value, what is our our cost per acquisition. So it hasn't been an easy journey. And those tools that we outlined in the customer facing part of our digital transformation, Salesforce Service Cloud, Salesforce Marketing Cloud, um, as well as the order management tool, those are going to help us actually use this new data in a new way. So we're just at the precipice of starting that process. All right. So everything's uh, running on all cylinders. 2019, 2020 comes around pandemic, uh, uh, 
not as much snowboarding, not as many ski hills open, uh, limited usage, et cetera. How did that change uh, what was going on? Was Burton ready uh, with its transformation? Was it, was it, did it, did it smoothly move into the e-commerce phase of its life? You know, talk a little bit about the pandemic. Yeah, that was um, quite a time. And I would say we were very lucky with some of the more basic back office IT tools that we had brought on board. You know, we had been pretty widely using Zoom and Microsoft Teams and things like that, that, you know, really a year or two before the pandemic hit, I don't know that we would have been as good suddenly working from our homes. So that was huge. That was, you know, big win for our IT team to have, you know, been ahead of the curve on that. Then our e-commerce business um, was, it is, and it still, it was, and it still is very sound. Um, And we are lucky we have such a strong brand where customers and our organic traffic are just, you know, steady wins for us. So I would say that the main thing we did besides making sure inventory was available for the markets that were actually doing well, um, we made sure that our messaging out to our consumers was very empathetic, very much understanding that we're going through what you're going through. And this is scary times. So really the marketing turned the messaging and the tone of our outward marketing to the, to, you know, really be appropriate for the times. Um, And then I would say that while some resorts weren't open people were getting outside more than ever. And, you know, that was the safe place to be. So while, you know, in areas like Japan where resorts were completely shut down in parts of Europe, the business suffered. But here in North America, you know, people got outside and they put their money into outdoor gear. Um, and it was a really excellent winter for us. That's great to hear. So I'd love to hear a little bit about... Um, the, the supply chain and operational side of the pandemic from the expert at all of those things uh, within Burton. Uh, how did that all come about? How did that all shake out as, as things shut down and, and everything? Right. So if we all can think back to, you know, December, 2019, January, 2020, the pandemic was hitting China. Mm-hmm. It was hitting Asia pretty hard. So we did have a little bit of a heads up of what was coming. And a lot of our supply chain is over in Asia. So we were start, and that is the time of the year where we're pretty heavy in our purchasing for the next season. So we were able to get a little glimpse into the future and we were able to dial back our purchases and realign them uh, to the right region. Um, and we really had to keep it moving over the course of the spring and summer. So, uh, so getting back to that sort of using data to understand what's going on and looking at it, how, how, do you, how are you connecting all this data now that you're getting from e-commerce and D2C? How is that helping you um, with product, new product development, understanding the trends in different regions, you know, can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. Um, 
Over the last couple of years, Burton has invested in consumer insights. We have a leader of strategy and consumer insights, and her team is using data to our product team um, from you know, years in advance, uh, their product, their advanced development cycle, their product development. So again, more so than ever before, we're putting our consumer segmentation work and our consumer data at the center of product planning, marketing, and, and really just thinking about the future and where Burton goes. So speaking of the future and the pandemic, how ha, will you, the things that you adopted during the pandemic, do you think that will only accelerate now into the future? Do you think there were temporary things that you had to do and you're going to go back a little bit to the grand plan of 20, the beginning of 2020? I actually think everything that we were talking about pre-COVID has just accelerated and there is no turning back. The one area that we are challenged to understand is what is the future of working? You know, where are our people going to be working from? What is our culture if we're not together? So I think that's a big question for us. And what, what, uh, how, how is that? How was that culture pre-pandemic? You know, it seems like it would be uh, a very outdoorsy, fun culture based in some ski chalet in Burlington, Vermont. <laughs> so we are, yeah, we're headquartered in Burlington, Vermont. We have what we call, you know, satellite offices or hubs in Montreal, in Denver, in Innsbruck, Zurich, Munich. Uh, Stockholm, Tokyo, um, Sydney, Australia, even uh, in Beijing and Shanghai, China. So all of those places aren't close to mountains. Some of them are in the heart of the mountains. But right. yes, you're right. The population is getting out on the mountain. They're getting outdoors. We always said, if you could bottle up the culture of what you see in one of our hubs or one of our offices, that is the brand. Um, it's definitely fun. It's definitely, um, you know, flexible. We're, we're ready to party at any moment. Um, but we also take our work very seriously and we're pretty dedicated to getting our work done so we can go have some fun when the time calls for it. So the headquarters is not on the side of a ski slope and don't snowboard to and from work. No, but we do have some skate poles (laughs) out back. And it's only about a half an hour to the mountain. Nice, nice. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about the brand. Um, you know, it's it's been it's been a winter sports giant for a long, long time. In fact, I was just reading uh, the Val Kilmer um, memoir, and there's this random anecdote in there about Daryl Hannah. And she's talking about her snowboard and it was made by Jake Burton Carpenter and given to her personally, you know, now was in like 2000 or something. I think they were dating when that happened. And, uh, and then also uh, Bernie Sanders, when he went famous in his sitting at the uh, state of the, uh, at the, I'm um, sorry, the inauguration uh, was wearing a Burton uh, jacket. Yes, he was. What a day. That was so, hilarious. Did that. I mean, I guess I just didn't, I, I saw that just recently. Like what that, did that blow Burton up for, for somehow? Like people were it like, did. that's a Burton jacket. It did. It was wild. The <laughs> day of the inauguration, the Bernie memes before the day was even over, they started coming out. 
And it was our edge comb jacket that he was wearing. And he was also wearing like hand knit mittens from a teacher in Vermont. And our traffic saw some of rec, you know, the record traffic for January after that meme went live. That jacket sold more than it had like for in a week for a whole season in advance of that. Um, and then really what was most special is Bernie got in the action with it and really started uh, promoting some apparel. And he actually donated a, a healthy sum to our Chill Foundation, which is um, a foundation that Jake and Donna Carpenter started over 25 years ago to help underprivileged youth uh, learn about life's challenges, perseverance, respect, um, all through the, the, the practice of board sports. So he was really like between our marketing and the organic traffic and then what we started doing with the meme ourselves on our social and what Bernie Sanders group was doing. It was really exciting for us to, to generate some, some really good uh, marketing and really great um, donations for our foundation. So we were pretty psyched about that. So you, you spoke, you, you, you said board sports, and I wanted to ask you about that because um, I I was asking the younger folks at Cognitive here about Burton as a brand. What do you think about Burton? And folks who honestly they were definitely not alive when Burton became a thing uh, said, "Yeah, they're they're awesome. Uh, they're really uh, a good brand." And they're really known for, you know, bridging that gap between skateboarding and snowboarding. You know, that's been the case for a long time. So for somebody who's been there for a long time, can you talk a little bit about that piece of it? The, the board sports versus just the sort of pretty environmentally conscious snowboarding nature, um, you know, a piece of the brand versus the urban grittiness of, of, of skateboarding. Yeah, I think um, that all along the snowboard community um, had a had such a, a strong attachment to Burton as a brand and to that that combination of the resort riding, but also kind of the the riding that they were doing in town or they were doing on the back hill, um, and quite naturally that community extended into other board sports. So I don't think it was anything we ever had to do um, by design. It was just really community led rider led, um, you know, the pro riders and the rider community in general have always had a huge influence on the brand and we've followed them and we've been hand in hand. Um, but I also think that as we grew up and we started to realize that our customers are growing up as well and that the world is expecting certain things from a business um, like a sustainable, sustainable manufacturing uh, practice, as well as just, you know, promoting sustainability. Um, we have evolved with that as well, but we can't deny our roots that they are soundly uh, firm in, in board sports. And we're really proud of that. You know, I'm thinking back to the, the Bernie Sanders thing. And I'm just wondering, is like, uh, is there a uh, a collaboration on some new coke going on? It's like the tagline will be "Feel the burn," and it'll, you know it'll it'll be hip, but it'll be it'll still be Bernie. 
As far as I know, I haven't seen anything <laughs> in the development cycle about that. Uh, I think that'd be a big seller. I think that'd yeah. be a big seller. You know, I will say though, like we we're becoming more of a purpose-led brand. We know we are that internally, but we haven't talked about it externally. Like I mentioned, the Chill Foundation. That's been going on forever. Um, and that was very much a passion for Jake and Donna. And our sustainability efforts have been going on well before we were talking about them. Our commitment to um, justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion, which we call JEDI, um, is in its formative years, but it feels very authentic to what we believe in as a community. So as we become more purpose-oriented, we start talking about our commitment to the people, to the planet, and the sports you might see more of these things where we're standing up for what's right and we're more vocal about that. Whereas in the past, we might have um, just let that happen organically and not talk about it outwardly too much. Got it. All right. Well, we're almost out of time. So we like to uh, ask at the end, what's next for Burton and what's next for you? That's great. You've basically done it all. Yes. Well, okay. So I am very excited. I, I give myself my new title of Burton business transformation officer. And that is absolutely me making that up right now, (laughs) but I'm trying to help us get to a point where we're process oriented. We are great communicators internally and externally. So the world can experience everything there is great about Burton and what we're doing, as well as becoming a digital first consumer centric retailer of the future. So I'm just helping the company get there, um, really being a change champion here. And then I think for Burton, it's more of the same. However, we know we have to take care of our people, planet sports. Um, If if winter isn't happening, we are not happy campers. So we're going to commit to our people and the planet and the sports. So more of all that goodness from us. Wonderful. Well, that does it for another edition of our Hidden Layers podcast. I'm Jeremy Fain, your host and co-founder of Cognitive. And we've been talking to Josie LaRock, the SVP of direct-to-consumer and digital transformation at Burton Snowboards. Thanks, Josie, and thanks everyone for tuning in. See you all next time.